do you ever deal with a uh, video game type of stuff? Uh, yeah, video video games come through. Um, you know, that's still a sync license because it's it's a moving image. So, yeah, the, those come through. Obviously, not as big as um, you know, uh, TV and film, but um, yeah, I wonder what the numbers on that are actually. What um, are some some new media type of things that are coming into play, like that are not just the tr- traditional usages of syncs that people may have been accustomed to in the past mm, new media um probably anything that's like youtube related but not youtube <laughs> okay would be the, the best way i can put it yeah um yeah i'm trying to think of even even yeah pretty much anything that's like like vines and stuff i guess that would count so how how does that work so when you guys find like um, user generated content stuff, do your clients say, "Hey, my music was used in somebody's Vine"? Is it is it not an issue because they're so short, or is that something that they can actually monetize? Um, I think. Well, I believe you actually interviewed my colleague Tuna Green, who's definitely um more uh knowledgeable of that aspect. Um. I would say it probably falls into the same realm of, so he's in the YouTube division and they kind of have their um, database database tool in place that kind of monitors activity. And so when we have our songs and our ISRCs registered um, in our database that reads with YouTubes, it can kind of do this auto match scan um, to pick up on any and every content used um that goes through content id yeah exactly and it kind of auto matches to be to to send an alert like hey this looks like this was used is this is this flagged as um not licensed um so that that's just like one that's already in place like youtube i i'm pretty sure there are other um companies out there that do deal with um oh there's a word for it i think it's like is it micro micromedia or uh, I can't remember but it, it's basically to deal with like everything on the internet ever that's not you know Netflix Hulu YouTube it's like anything else <laughs> yeah he, he was talking about like how there's going to be some probably some um changes made for when people start trying to monetize like Instagram and Facebook videos and things like that right right Especially because that's getting more poppy, you know. Back in the day, it's like you just put a Facebook video up. Who cares what's playing on the song car that you have blasting in the background? But right, you know, it's especially because we're getting gaining more traction with um, you know, just being fair in the industry, especially for our writers. It's you know, you can't just use whatever you want anymore. Right, right. It could, because you see these things go viral, and you see like there there is a lot of exposure with you know the songs that are out there, but then you haven't found a way to actually monetize it. And it's like, man, this person just saw this video that was viewed 10 million times. And you can't deny that some part or some element of the music is what made it popular or made it go viral. You know what I mean? People may say it's not, but I think every unique part of the creation plays a part. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I know like, you know, it's obviously anyone can put up anything they want, but I think there are more, automated tools in place that kind of are 
capturing these and and you know issuing takedowns it's like when you see something viral and then you like go search for it and then you're like wait where is it you know it says you, content not found or something it's like oh that you know that didn't really happen too much back in the day right you know even five ten years ago but now it's like anytime you see that you know people are checking <laughs> and people are being alerted so i um the how it, the how to about it i can't talk on that because i don't personally know but um i do know it's becoming more um more of a thing now especially with everything being digital it's like there's no other way to to pick up on things you know now for someone who's interested in getting into licensing as a career what does a day look like for you what does it all encompass for me it looks like um getting a bunch of requests (laughs) For licenses, um, I like I said, my niche is mechanicals. Um, I also get sample licenses, which uh, I deal a little bit more. That's kind of more case by case and takes a little more time. Whereas the manacle is pretty mechanical, is pretty straightforward, and I can just you know knock those out. And then um, dealing a lot with our clients and making sure. Um, you know that our clients too do kind of going back on your last question if they come to us and they're like hey we noticed or we were alerted that uh our song or our video is being used in italy what's up with this and it's like oh okay like i'll go and look into that i'll connect with our you know italy liaison and um and kind of put out the fire that way like that's part of my job i have to make sure splits are registered and properly uh, accounted for in like Harry Fox agency and make sure um, the PROs have our um, new deals registered correctly. You know, if we have a new signed writer, I have to make sure that the last uh, administrator is no longer um, showing up, that it's switching over to downtowns or uh, whatever admin. So it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of little things, but I get I get my hands in a, a lot of things too. Are there other agencies out there that you can name, or societies that you can name that you have to make sure the writers are and publishers are registered with? Because I heard you mention Harry Fox and the PROs. Are there more out there that are not as common? Um, uh, we try to register with um as many labels as we can. You know, some of your, like your major labels will most likely be requesting you know, a lot of things. So we try to make sure that they're alerted. Um, so labels. What exactly do you mean when you say you register with the labels? Like, like record well, labels? I shouldn't say register with them. I should say we kind of notify them of, okay. of you know, like I said, like if, if another publisher had this and, and, and if BMG had this uh, admin and now it, it comes to us, then, you know, Sony oh, Music okay. would, instead of like going to BMG to, to license with them, you know they'll be like oh actually we have this so now they'll start coming to us got it so it kind of sent yeah yeah sending out that alert like hey by the way and we have these things called lod's or letters of direction that kind of prove that (laughs) so that not everyone's going around being like oh actually we claim that (laughs) it's like well do you have proof well we got an lod and that's uh that's what we do and then yeah harry fox the PROs, your ASCAP, BMI, CSAC. Um, we don't we we don't necessarily. I think the PROs kind of talk internationally too. Um, we have to 
register with international societies like CMM CMRA is the Canadian Society, PRS is the UK Society, um, it goes on and on. So those all need to be notified of new catalog deals only if um only if the agreement has to do with those territories. So for example, like if we're signed and it's a US and Canada deal, we don't need to let PRS know necessarily because it doesn't apply. But if it's a, a universal or world deal, then we need to let everyone that we can know. Now when you're selling music in other countries, does the contract change in regards to mechanicals? Because over here if the the rate is nine point one cents, they don't do it on a percent uh basis. I mean not percent, but a a cent basis out right. there don't they do it on a percentage of how much it costs yeah they usually do it um usually based on, on percent sales um and and other factors that i'm not actually even sure of but um the idea is yeah if you have a song released uh and monetized in the u.s the license is going to be for your 9.1 cents and then anything else if, if our writers have songs released outside the u.s um then it's kind of those territories, um, PROs, jobs to kind of monetize, collect, and send and pay us back, kind of send it back to us. So, so however Japan collects it for the territory of Japan, they need to take care of that and then send it back to us. So we can't, you know, obviously dictate the same standards of 9.1 cents or whatever have you, but um, that's why each territory has their own collection society i should say um canada kind of is more similar um it's not a stat rate per it's a canadian stat rate which is um 8.3 cents but it's also technically not um it's technically not written in stone i should say um it's not a law but it's kind of the standard so, you know, for licenses, usually I do have the capability of licensing for U.S. and Canadian territories just because they deal a little more similarly with us. But otherwise, we kind of leave it to the collection societies and other territories to claim as they need to. And then pay us back. <laughs> and vice versa. What about movie theaters in other countries? Do they pay per... Um... I guess the word would be pay per view or per play. Cause I know they don't do that out here in the United States, but is that something that the PRs, PROs collect for and then send back to you guys when the movies and theaters and music is being played? You know, I'm, I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, for yeah. Movie theaters specifically outside of the U S uh, that's a good question. That's a great question. I could, um, you know, I could always find that out for you, but um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Okay. That would be good to know. Yeah, because I mean, I've I heard in the past that they do, but I don't know if it's only for their uh the writers that are from there. Because I know like we don't pay our artists for radio out here; we only pay the writers. But then in other countries, they pay the artists and the songwriter. So that's why I was just wondering how that worked with with um film and movies as well. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure, and I, I obviously don't want to misspeak, so I. I can guess, but I wouldn't be very uh, an educated guess. So, okay. Uh, um, but yeah, I, w I would also be interested to find out the answer to that. So I could definitely ask around okay. for that answer. Okay.
Yeah. Now, dealing with mechanicals specifically, are you like into the the numbers of like how Pandora, or I guess I would say more specifically Spotify, how that works and how they determine what the songwriters and the publishers get paid? Do you know what that formula is? Because it's different from the nine point one. Yeah. It's it's not your nine point one, which makes it all the more complex. It's so funny talking about like publishing and, and licensing. It's like you, it's like in my head, I think of it like I took French in high school, and <laughs> I felt like everything you learned, it's like okay, you got that down, you learned it, and now here are all the exceptions to the rule. Right. And I kind of feel that way with some publishing. Sometimes it's very hard to explain because it's like, all right, yeah, you have something that's standard you you have your statutory rate and you know it's 9.1 cents and got it boom that's for all mechanicals right it's like well no then streaming comes along yeah streaming comes along and you know we kind of could have ignored it you know maybe a decade ago but we can't ignore it anymore and um that's kind of one of the issues that are being brought up in the industry today like you know um Everyone's using Spotify, everyone's using uh, Apple iTunes, everyone's using Tidal, and yet we can't pay on the 9.1 cent rate because, you know, you could just pick your friend's music, hit play, and leave it on all day, and then now you have 2 million streams, and it's like, well, here you go, you're a millionaire, you know, (laughs) I, I understand it can't be that simple because you're not dishing out your, your 10, 12 bucks for the CD um and that being the percentage which is however they factored 9.1 cents years ago but um it's i i can't really explain the formula per se but um obviously is based on number of streams um i think well territory obviously if it's us or xus um and it's one of those things we're kind of all fighting for in uh in terms of our writers and just getting everyone as, as as much money as they deserve for their content, which is which is why sometimes you'll find like um, if you notice like Lemonade isn't on Spotify or some of Taylor Swift's music isn't on Spotify, and it's like, oh, why is that? It's Spotify. Should I have everything? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, she pulled hers, right? Taylor Swift. Yeah, I think she pulled hers. I don't remember which album. Um, and like Beyonce only has. She has her earlier albums, but not um. I think her, not Lemonade and is Beyonce up there. She's only going through title now. Is that what it is? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, that that makes sense because obviously that you're not going to go against your own competition. Um, so um, as an artist label, you definitely can choose what streaming services to go through. But um, in terms of kind of um getting what you're due i would say spotify is great for exposure and it's great for you know your indie artists that just want to be heard and want to get some kind of fees in but as a general whole it's very um we're not there yet as an industry and i know they're working towards that especially with like you know like the npa and the, the board of trustees and it's it's just like for it to even get to government levels is I don't want to say it's not impossible because we're we're getting there, but it's, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to take time for people to agree to what is, you know, what is the best standard? Um, should you get paid more if you are more popular? Should you, you know, is it, is it uh, at 
aggregating fairly enough, you know? Is it gonna, um, is kind of like the difference in your indie artists gonna be huge from your your Drakes and your Beyonce's that are being played all over, a million times over? Um, so it's hard to say, and it's definitely a, a work in progress. Um, it's, it is beneficial in a way that because people aren't buying physical products as much, it's better for your indie artist to, like I said, have that exposure. And, you know, it isn't easy. Like, hey, you already have Spotify. It's not anything extra for me to go and check out this new artist. Whereas like before, it's like, oh, you want me to go spend 10 bucks on someone I don't even know? Nah, I'm not going to do that. So it, it, it has its pros and cons. Um, and it's, it's also about Spotify, you know, also using their database and tools, which I would also be interested in, in learning how they kind of calculate those numbers. Um, I guess it's more like a Nielsen sound scan. Um, uh, that's a, that's another tool that they use because that's just dealing with a lot of a lot of numbers, a lot of streams to get paid out. But like, for example, Harry Fox Agency collects uh, all the numbers that um, Nielsen picks up from Spotify's place. And then Spotify is responsible for paying its pay, who's responsible for paying all the publishers. And so for now, that's that's the formula. But yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure, I think it's, um, I'm pretty sure it's public um knowledge on, on the nielsen sound exchange sound exchange or sounds again I the formula right. the well the numbers at least uh, i don't know if the actual formula is um public knowledge but the, the numbers are up there and i was actually talking to um a guy from music reports recently and he was talking about how they're going to come up with one central mechanical license licensing committee so that the people who have been uploading the music on their DSPs, like the Spotify's who have been getting sued, there's actually going to be something put in place so that everything is kind of like a PRO, how you have to go through either ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC to get your music registered with them for the performance rights. They're actually putting something in place right now for the mechanical rights. For the DSPs? Yeah, I think he said like it's called you... the Mechanical Licensing Committee. I don't oh. know if it's... If it's already done yet or not but yeah is that specific to that to to you you said um you said music reports yeah yeah is that specific to them or is this an industry thing no it's going to be an industry thing from what i gathered from him where all publishers can go and sign up like how all the publishers have to be signed up with ascap bmi or csac to get Mm -hmm. their performance royalties now those same publishers will have a hub that they can go sign up with this mechanical licensing agency so that when a Spotify or another streaming service wants to use their music, it's already been a blanket license there for them in some type of form. So they won't be getting sued because of the, what the issue is, is that say I take my music and then I upload it through my aggregator, say CD baby or TuneCore. Well, they're not, necessarily making sure that i have ownership or the rights to even upload this and so now like the tech companies they're just creating something new and innovative for the consumers and they're not necessarily Mm -hmm. concerned with 
is it being licensed or are people being paid right. for correctly? So that's why, like you said, people serve the NOIs because like, yo, my music is there, but then I'm not being paid for it. Um, mm-hmm. So now they're going to create this system, mechanical licensing committee, so that all the publishers can register with them as they do for performing rights. Oh, that actually sounds yeah. No, that's very um good to know. I should definitely look into that. Um, definitely needs to me, but um, yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah. That's... he talks about it a bit in 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 the last episode. If you want to check that one out, um, I you know I learned it there, so I was like, oh, that's cool to know. Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Um, it was the Randy Rand. His name is Randy Savvy on Instagram, but his name okay. is Randall Hook. So he's the last episode that I put up from Music Reports. So he talks about oh, okay yeah. actually i did check that out for a minute i think i, I didn't get to that part um, yeah it's we had a long interview it was like two hours so <laughs> it was deep yeah, in there, but it was very interesting <laughs> to know definitely interesting and it's 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 kind of great too that you're doing this kind of thing because you know I'm, I'm i'm no expert of course but i'm learning just as much as you know i'm learning from you know everyone you're interviewing and i hope anything i've said makes sense to someone <laughs> and you know or, or teaches them something um but this is a really good platform you're doing because this is the stuff that, unfortunately, you know, you you have everyone knows the glamorous artist label side and, right. you know, the, the the pretty stuff. But it's like there's so much more that goes on in the background. And like I said, it's even hard for me sometimes to articulate because it's so complicated. Um, and, and you wouldn't even know that you're like, oh, you work in music like you get tickets to, to CB. And it's like, um, that's. It's not what I do every day, you know. It's not, ex- <laughs> <All right. laughs> not exactly how it works. But um, but even for professional musicians, you know, it's, it's a, a lot of people do need to kind of have these these basics. And like I said, I'm I'm no expert, but it's it's almost interesting for me to experience, especially when I'm I'm networking and people that you know um that are artists or musicians, they're like, Hey, you know, um, what do you do? All my publishing. I was like, Oh really? Like, what do you, what is that? Like, what does that entail? And it's like, it's almost like, well, wow. It, it, it really dawns on me that not everyone, even in the industry knows even the publishing side of things. Yeah. He was also saying this as well, which is something I found out on my own as well, just through reading books that even the experts aren't experts because the laws are changing every day there's a new right. type of way to consume music every year right. or something new is coming out. So you have these people that may have been in the music industry for 40 plus years, but now they don't know how to approach streaming or, you know, how to deal with this platform. How do I monetize exactly. YouTube? So now we're back on the same playing field where everybody's learning together at the same time. Right, right, right. Like I can't simply answer, Oh, how do we monetize streaming? It's like, well, I, I can tell you it's, Nine point one cents for CDs, but now we're talking about a bigger game, you know, yeah. little fish in a big pond. So it's you know bringing up, you know, with every new invention or something, it brings up ten more questions and adaptations, and you know, then it involves bringing everyone on the same page, and then you're gonna have you know backfire, and it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fun. It. I can see why some people may not even try to get into the business side because there is so much to learn mm-hmm. that it, it can kind of discourage you. But I actually like to like understand as much as I can. But there's so much that you probably will never stop learning. So I think you kind of have to exactly. be committed and just open to knowing that everything that you learn today may change tomorrow. 
Exactly. It's just the way it goes. It is. It's true. Um, what I thought I would want to, you know, when, when I did my minor in, in, in college, I was like, oh, music supervision sounds dope. Like, maybe I want to be a music supervisor. And then you kind of get into the, the licensing aspect and you're like, wow, even to just do that thing that sounded great on, on the uh, business side of things is there's 10 more layers underneath it. Mm-hmm. And you, at the end of the day, still need to know about licensing 101 <laughs> um, to even to even be be a uh you know a factor in in the game Mm -hmm. do you still look at that as one of the careers that you'll eventually kind of veer off into into being a music supervisor or are you like sure you're going to stick with the licensing side um you know that's a good question it's a question i ask myself every day like do i kind of want to go back and try my hand at that or um how does one even go in and try to hand at that because like I said everyone I seem to talk to always like falls into it <laughs> um it's definitely something that's uh, that's always been on my radar um especially you know being at a company like downtown it's just so it's not so corporate that you know you're stuck in your own lane it's you know there's a lot of chances especially like now I'm going to sampling now sampling kind of deals can kind of deal or overlap with sync and, you know, being close to the sync team. It's like, now I see how the creative side works and maybe I want to go more into the creative side of things. And that could lead down the line, you know, they deal a lot with music supervisors in third parties and, you know, you, you build up this contact, you kind of get this, um, it's nice being close to the element without being in it because then I can see day to day how they handle it and what they actually have to deal with. And, you know, instead of just like picking up and, and finding a job and being like, I'm going to do this now. And then and then you find out the realities of it and, and you didn't know what was coming. You know, it's nice to be in this kind of environment where I can observe it as it's happening and kind of decide for myself. So for right now, I I have no idea. I've also thought about, you know, music therapy down the line has piqued my interest. Explain um, that a little bit. Music therapy? Yeah. Oh, sure. It's um, it's basically um, well, you obviously do traditional therapy um to help you know. There's very uh, different layers and elements to it. Um, I know whether it's like PTSD patients or people with mental disabilities or um people with um, well, maybe not physical ailments. There's a different kind of say that's physical therapy. Um, the point is that music therapy kind of takes um, the mental and cognition side of things, but helps patients out through actual musical performance. So I once ended up only going by, um, like I once interviewed with uh, an NYU professor just to kind of pick, pick, pick their brain as to, you know, what goes into it and stuff. And it's, you know, a matter of not only knowing the psychological aspects of being a therapist, but now also on top of that, adding a layer of um, performing music, whether it's having drum beats or drum circles, um, performing piano medleys, it really helps with it. And as most people probably know too, it helps with memory. Usually the, your senses are so strong, whether you, you might not remember something that happened, but then you'll hear a tune that's associated and then the memory comes back. True. So, yeah. So even music therapy, it helps with, you know, a lot of elderly patients, for example, 
um, are, are a good niche for that or a good market for that because, you know, um, a lot of them, you know, unfortunately, if they lose their kind of um, mental capacities as, as they age, these are things that kind of keep them prime and keep them um, keep them going, really. And it's and it's like a fun way to help, you know, not just sitting and talking. It's like, OK, now you can almost kind of teach music and you can incorporate right. a new instrument into someone's life and you can you know it just seems so fascinating to me and so that that part of it uh that would be interesting uh that's that's cool did you happen to like attend a therapy session with somebody and saw how it worked or was this like someone tv no no i think um i think <laughs> actually um the even the idea of music therapy came in my head because I took a, a random elective, like I said, I went for business and, and then music industry minor. And then uh, I had like a couple of random electives and I was like, you know what, this, this psychology class sounds, it was like psychology 101. And I was like, this sounds interesting. And it actually really was. And that obviously was a general um, psychology class and it got into like the top layer of neuroscience and, you know, things, um, people that think of psychology today as, and that piqued my interest and then I started thinking you know like okay maybe I talk to my friends a lot about their issues and their problems and maybe maybe therapy along with um psychology and cognition would be something of interest to study and then I heard about music therapy um unfortunately kind of a little after um my schooling so it, it didn't really fit into into my studies but um I heard about music therapy and then that's when I I had separately on my own kind of gone to after I moved to New York back to the city I um kind of just was interested just was interested in set up a meeting with a professor there and she kind of talked me through and she actually did say that um you know I I think they on a volunteer basis and also if you are a student in the program you do have to go and observe and you can do that i think there are voluntary programs out there i just haven't um found them but um yeah i think you can go to it's it's, it's a lot of things i i know a couple of people that are in are in it and it's still a growing market to to be in but i know they like either teach at hospitals and schools and even prisons sometimes um are a lot of what they've observed and you know, I've, I've talked to them too, and I'm like, "Well, is it like, it's scary? Is it interesting? Is it what's your day like?" And it's, it's a combination of you're in the office researching, and then you're on the field observing, mm -hmm. whether it be students in the classroom, um, or inmates at, at a prison. And so I, I have only heard stories and firsthand accounts, but I would one day like to experience that for myself too. Nah, that sounds cool. Very interesting. It always, like, it's cool to me and just, like, amazing how many different ways music can be used. Like, it's one of those things that, right. because it's so universal, it, it brings people together. But then you're also just talking about it as a, a healing form. Like, it's yeah. used to heal people. So I think it's cool, man. Like, music is one of the coolest things on earth. Like, it, it, it's there. And like you said, when it comes to memory you know, when somebody hear it, hears it, it's like, okay, I remember that happy moment in my life, or mm -hmm. it can register what a sad moment in life, but right, it's embedded in there in some type of way that you get these associations with things. So 
I think exactly. Cool. And and then add to that the layer of like even just like helping people out is just you know very important to me. Just having that um person to person um interaction and you know being able to do that through the field of music because like you said it is universal and whether you speak the same language or you live in the same territory everyone knows music right and um you know it's and and it's also like muscle memory i'm pretty sure it can come into play with like physical theory too because it's muscle memory and and then cognitive memory and it's just so fascinating to me it is it's so much to explore just within music itself right right so before we get out of here, I always like to ask the guests, you know, just to make sure that I, I give you space to talk about anything that I may have missed or we didn't touch on in regards to exactly what it is that you do or even that you might be interested in more that's kind of on the outside of mechanical licenses. Just anything you want to put in there just about the music business or specifically your field that you just want people to know or understand. I guess I would say that I'm very happy with what I do because it's kind of a complicated field. I think a lot of people shy away from it. And if if I'm an example, obviously anyone can do it. You know, you just need to have the patience and and the drive to kind of study it a little further and, you know, kind of place yourself in that kind of environment. You know, you wouldn't be dealing with mechanicals if you didn't have to do it day to day. But even for those that are trying to be um, active musicians and songwriters, it's just it's just important to know the basics. You don't want to go in blindly and sign a bad deal and then, you know, get caught up just because you didn't know what a mechanical license or a sync license was. Right. So I'd say um, don't shy away from it. It doesn't I, I know I have a lot of friends that um, are musicians and hope one day to make that their ultimate careers but a lot of them do work um on the publishing side or or on the label side and all of them have said that it's definitely helped them better their music side especially networking with other artists that don't have that element and don't understand the business side of things it's helped them so much more and gotten them further than um than the people that turn a blind eye so i i can i always look at that I always think of that when I'm like thinking okay you know what am I doing today day to day and am I making making a splash in the bucket am I helping anyone and it's like yeah the second anyone even asks what it is I know I'm starting to help somebody you know if I can even explain what I do to a few people then you know that's fulfilling to me yeah so um and at the end they just some pro tips i would say everything is negotiable yeah um every, yeah everything's negotiable you know it doesn't hurt to aim high and if and just kind of work with what you got and understand where you are you know in in, in your career path and um just kind of follow your heart <laughs> not to be cheesy or cliche <laughs> but it's true it's true yeah. yeah right so i, I could have gone into finance or accounting and i'm Sure, my parents would have maybe preferred that, but um, but no, they're they are also very supportive of me, and they know that if I kind of have my mindset on something something as passionate to me as music, you know, I I'm capable of you know working the books at a, a at a financial office, but you know, am I enjoying myself? So I think just like just know yourself 
especially for those, I guess I'm speaking more um, breaking out or either just coming out of school or, you know, not, not knowing what to do next. Just, just try your hand at something, you know, the, the, the most, all you have to gain is knowing that you don't want to do something. Right. And then from there, yeah, from there you can go and, you know, try the next thing. And, um, yeah, those are just my my last pieces. Great, great. You know, just tell your parents your accounting royalties. So what you do does make a big difference. Yeah, <laughs> I, I should, I should. No, and then they know hey, I'm supporting myself. I'm I'm uh, living in my own apartment, so right. I guess they they can see that at least. <laughs> yeah. No, but they they're they're definitely very supportive. Yeah. They can still be proud, and I know they are proud. So, um, yeah. It's all about um doing what you love. Yeah, definitely. I, I thank you a lot just for sharing everything and giving those pro tips at the end. You know, I, I like <laughs> a lot of stuff that you said, you know, it's just very motivational and uh just lets people know that, you know, don't worry about what society is telling you you should do to be successful because you may exactly. be successful financially, but then you'll be bored or you'll be unhappy. Right. So, right. Exactly. You know, so go with your heart. gut. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and thank you so much for having me on i know i was like why is he <laughs> he's asking me <laughs> yeah no like i said everybody is they have something to offer so nobody's the complete expert because i i read all of those books you know that people say hey this is the music industry's bible but then mm-hmm. i've even saw stuff where i'm like that's incorrect but that's coming from the guy who's you know right. supposed to be the guru of it all and i'm like mm-hmm. that's actually not correct what's in the book because i just went through this process you know and it Mm -hmm. wasn't that way so i don't know if some of these people are having people do research for them and they're not necessarily doing it but there's been a few books that i've read and i'm like oh that's actually not correct and you know and i've watched panels with people and you know they're sitting on these panels and they're supposed to have all this information but then sometimes they're giving out the wrong information mm-hmm. you know like oh it only costs 35 bucks to sign up with ascap and i'm like no it's not as 50 <laughs> you know That's what i mean yeah, right so whether was... it's like whether it's people keeping up with information i know ch- things change that's why i'm like i can't really give you numbers because that might not be accurate right, and i don't right. want to misinform but yeah. also the other thing i realized is um all adulting is is uh faking it till you make it so <laughs> <laughs> it is so i'm sure you know everyone can declare themselves an expert but uh right who has the loudest voice i guess yeah exactly exactly and the mm-hmm. most influence here so. mm-hmm. but definitely yeah. i mean what you what you share you know was a lot and i hope that it doesn't inspire people to go into that field and not be afraid of it because it's important when you want to be in this business like you said just to know what's going on how you can protect right. yourself and you can at least have some sort of foundation of you know what exactly. should be in place you know what have that base mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have that base have those people you trust and really just even just ask questions i think people are afraid to do that just just ask those questions exactly what you're doing right now just you know the questions people are like oh is that is that too dumb should i know this by now it's like right we're yeah. just we're having a whole hour-long conversation about things maybe a lot of people know a lot about or some people know nothing about and you know i always be that person in the classroom that like <laughs> raises my hand and asks right that question that someone's afraid of and you know what and usually uh, i remember one teacher saying most likely if you have that question somebody else does it's true 
it's true. I've I've witnessed it. I'm like, man, I'm so glad they asked it because I had the same question. <laughs> right, right. And they say no question is a dumb question. So, you know, I'm a believer in that. And I'm also a believer in the quote where they say, if you're the smartest person in the room, then something is wrong. So I like uh, to be around people that know more than me because if I'm absolutely. only around people who don't know more than me, then I'm going to be the standard and all I can learn from I mean, all, you know, I have nothing else to learn because right. everyone else around me doesn't know more than me. So I like to put myself in a position. That's why, you know, I, I wanted to interview you and Mr. Green and everybody else, you know, that I have an opportunity mm-hmm. to learn specific things from. Like, I want to learn about publishing or how touring works or a YouTube specialist. You know, I have things that, mm-hmm. that I study that I like. But what about the things that are still involved in this ecosystem that I know nothing about? Right. And, th- and there's so many, there's so many. Right. And there's people out there that know. So for me, it's, it's fun. You know, it's, it's, it's not like work. Like I have to sit down and listen to a lecture. It's like, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm constantly trying to learn and figure out this whole field and how it works. And it's fun. So I enjoyed it. And I, I appreciate you being willing to share. Yeah. Yeah. Is that why, is that what made you um want to start this podcast as a whole? Was it just like kind of a, uh, yeah, I wonder about these things, or did someone kind of prompt you, or nah, not just been to be back on you? But <laughs> it, was, it was more of just um, people not really knowing all the different things that are involved, but you know, want to be in this field. And I, because I, I've had situations because I'm an artist as well, where there were things that I didn't know, and mm-hmm. you know, I felt like I was at a disposition because of that. And so mm-hmm. from there, it was like I started reading tons and tons of books. I started watching so many YouTube videos just so that I can be aware of even just the basic things of knowing like what a publishing company is or why I need to have right. one, you know, because I know so many people who are artists and songwriters and well as well and don't have, you know, a sound exchange account or don't or not signed up with ASCAP. And to mm-hmm. the industry, people may think these things are basic and you should know, but there's still tons of people who don't do it. And, um, exactly and yeah. so for like the indie community specifically is what what i created this podcast for is is directly for those people who are independent because they don't have a large team around them that's going to be right, handling right. all the business and so that's like my target market if i can get the independent artists and songwriters and musicians to listen to this then hopefully they can get themselves in a better position to leverage themselves or even just to put themselves in a position to collect different revenue streams, you know, or, or, or right. find out how to do it or who to look to, to actually guide them in the right direction. So like my, my first interview was a, um, a music business accountant, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't know they had specifically people that did music business accounting. You know, I know, <laughs> oh, absolutely. you know, so there's like, a, there's a place for everyone. Right. <laughs> so, you know, now I know that. If if I'm going to get my taxes together, I would specifically like to go to a tax <laughs> advisor that deals with people in the music business. Right. Because she even stated that some of her clients had went to um, one, you know, one of the brand name tax companies and they mm-hmm. didn't write off certain stuff that the client should have. And they told them, you know, oh, you can't write this off or this can't be a part of it. And she was like, you know, they lost a few thousand dollars. But if they would have came to her, they would have known that certain things, you know, you can add and deduct, but you don't know what you don't know. So, Right, exactly. And now everyone can be an expert in everything. So it is good to have those those niche markets and those niche kind of, um, you know, 
that's why like even like my speaking on sync licenses and performance licenses i have the, the general knowledge but it's like i deal day to day with mechanicals so you know yeah, my, my, that's my apology. I know I was asking a lot of questions about that because that's one of the things no. that, you know, I'm trying to f- figure out more because they say yeah. that there are a lot of production companies that are using a lot more independent music today. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, OK, let me try to find out as much as I can about that for the people right. who are getting these type of deals. You know what I mean? So. Right. And, and it was helpful for me to know. It's definitely um, you asked a lot of questions that I was like, you know what, that's, that piqued my interest now. Now I want to go and learn some more about yeah. that. Or, yeah. uh, you know, maybe I helped answer uh, some things. And, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, networking is probably your best bet for your indie musicians. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Trying to, yeah. yeah trying I want to be an advocate for them, you know, just to make sure we're getting treated fairly. And, you exactly. know, we, we understand the music industry and the business as a whole. So you definitely add it to that by sharing your knowledge and you know if you have anybody that you want to reference you know feel free to text or email me like yo i know a music supervisor or you know there's so many different titles within this business oh yeah yeah whatever you want to refer to me just just let me know and i'll be happy to you know have an interview with them as well great great i can definitely do that and and i know talking to you it's been uh it's been great to share and great to talk things through and uh likewise you know Great to be listened to so i know i know people would enjoy doing this yeah so before you get out of here can you let people know how they can contact you sure um you can find me on linkedin um just under my name diana methangani and um you could also just shoot me a message uh if you have any questions or if you want to match on linkedin okay sounds good well thank you again for joining us on the show today we appreciate it oh thank you very much Bay. All right, have a good day. Bye. Okay, you too.